You're listening to Churches Now Online podcast, and joining me on screen is Kristen. Hey. And Scott. Hey. And that's it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Marty's in the corner. You might hear her laboring to breathe. Yeah. Our 10-year-old dog who's acting like a 20-year-old dog. <laughs> Scott, you got a haircut, man. I did. Not the first. You're not the first to comment on it either. Yep. What barbershop was open that you could go get a haircut? Please pray tell. My hair is looking terrible and I'm in desperate need of one. Yeah, yeah. We have this barbershop in our backyard where uh, <laughs> I throw a chair down and my wife gives me a haircut. She cut it outside? <laughs> yeah, it was super warm. Yeah. And uh, we, so we did it in the bathroom like all winter, but then hair gets everywhere. It's yeah. a nightmare. So this is not something that you've done out of necessity. Bethany has been cutting your hair for some time. Yes, she has. That's impressive. Always cut my hair. Wow. wow. I'm all sorry the... that in quarantine, I thought for sure it was her. And then all these other times, I haven't thought that. <laughs> I mean, it speaks to her skill, for sure. She's gotten, she's gotten really good. Yeah, she's gotten really good. Yeah. All those, Can she all those teach Instagram me? videos, you know? That's her Instagram feed is like food and hair. Interesting. Not together, I hope. No, I don't think so. Maybe there's somebody out there who's doing that. If not, well, putting food in hair is fine, but putting hair in food is gross. That's pretty. I think both ways. <laughs> both pretty gross. Ways. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations. You're winning quarantine life. Thank you. I needed it bad. Yeah. Well, guys. Well, I. Go ahead, Kristen. Oh, I was just gonna add the fact that you do need a haircut, but I um, am not going to do it unless we're just gonna shave your head entirely. I don't think I could manage doing anything. I'm not more opposed. Than that. I'm not opposed to like just totally, you know, putting a number no, two. No, we're all not shaving everything. your hair. It is summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's time to go. I'm sure. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. You know, there's a lot less up there than there used to be. So maybe it's time just to. Let we it need fly. to we need to just find a hairstylist that's willing to break quarantine to make a couple bucks. If you're out there, I feel like hair store. I feel hair, like there's somebody out there. The to, we've been in quarantine for a long time. We're safe people. So you have, you've been in quarantine for like four weeks. Dude. I know. Well, I've had to go to crown point. So that's kind of like my, oh, my not, you know, my not quarantine. And I went to Menards the other day and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. I just walked in and got a piece of wood. I needed one piece of wood. And, um, I had a mask on, had gloves on. I held my breath and just like ran in, ran out. And uh, fortunately, it was an eight foot piece of wood and it had a tag all at the end. And so I stood eight <laughs> feet away from the lady at the register and like held up the scanner for her. She very much appreciated it. And then she like got out of the lane to let me go by her. It was an incredible experience. You know, I, I feel bad for uh, the cashiers who are essential. Funny, yeah. funny story. I was up, we were outside on Saturday when it was so nice. I was up on my roof and our neighbor came out. We had like the longest conversation with our neighbor we've ever had talked about Easter, talked about all this stuff, but he's, he's older and his fiance's daughter who's still living at home is uh, a cashier for the drive-thru at Dairy Queen. And he can't see his fiance anymore. He's like, stop seeing his fiance because uh, her daughter is still at the drive-thru seeing like hundreds of people a day, you know, he was, he was pretty scared. He was pretty scared. I don't want to be the one to ask this question, but is ice cream essential? <laughs> you you uh, just offended half of the people. Maybe. 
I mean, I, I, I should say, is Dairy Queen is Dairy essential? Queen. You know, I mean, you can get your own ice cream at the grocery store. There's also food at Dairy Queen. That's true. I've never gotten food at Dairy Queen. I've never the, gotten it's food It's not at Dairy just Queen. chill. It's grill and chill. Grill and chill. Which correct. in a 2020 vernacular using the word chill, it might yeah. need to be reconsidered. Grill That's and chill. a really good point. <laughs> yeah. Dairy well, Queen I... You're I was I was grateful for the the quality of Menards and really cool story. Um, Menards has a uh, a new manager, and uh, guess when they started coming to the HP campus? The fifth anniversary. No way. Yeah, they started coming to Bethel Church the last day we were open. The best and worst day to come. <laughs> yeah, and which was a huge event. And we didn't actually, I don't think, shake hands or meet or anything. Um, but been tracking with us online. And so um, y'all know who you are. Shout out to you. Uh, keeping the store open It's great. But welcome to the Portage community. Glad <laughs> to have you guys here. Yeah. You were at the cool. Portage one, not the Valpo one? Yeah. No, I always go to Portage. That's, oh, that's I don't dude. know. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one's closer. I feel like we're not allowed to trash boring. Menards on our podcast. That's like uh, oh, Menards is outside, the outside the lines. Menards is the best. <laughs> My kids, they've learned that if they ever want candy, they just ask me to go to Menards with them. <laughs> Although they can't go now because you got to be over 16. But Miles yeah. would be like, Dad, are we going to the green Home Depot? That's what he would call it. No way. <laughs> the green one. The green Home Depot. And yeah. Elon used to call it M Menards. Yeah. M Menards. Like M&M's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Can we go to M Menards? <laughs> I still call it that sometimes. Hey, how was uh, how was Easter for you guys? We we just had Easter, and um, on the podcast in a little bit, we're going to be connecting with um, Jonathan Johnson, who dropped his spoken word in uh, to kick off the Easter service. Um, we'll catch up with him. But how was it for for you guys? How'd the Irwin clan do? Yeah, it was good. It was it was a little different. I was on a Zoom call all morning with a bunch of staff members, just working through the different platforms, but um. I was talking with Bethany. We kind of watched it together and it was good. I mean, the service was fantastic. The music was fantastic. Jonathan was amazing. Sermon was great. It, uh, it did hit a little bit harder than I think normal Sundays, just the, um, just not being in, in service. Like this was just such a big celebratory Sunday and it felt, I didn't, it didn't fall flat, but it, it felt a little like, Oh, really miss being, being with the, the church family. Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. I, not that I haven't missed everyone until now, but there was something about yesterday being absent from everyone and, you know, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and seeing everybody post pictures of their families and, you know, the typical Easter post. And I, I mean, I posted our pictures that we took in the backyard after service and, um, and I was later in the day, looking through some of people's comments. And I saw a friend write, I miss you. And I burst into tears. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I didn't realize I was feeling that until like this moment where, yeah, we should have been together today. And, and th this feeling of celebration was all of a sudden replaced with this feeling of really like deep longing mm. to be with the body. And I just wanted to put a PSA out there no one put I miss you on any of my pictures ever again. <laughs> I cannot emotionally handle it right now. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. What should they put? 
I don't know. Like, suck it up, you'll be fine. Like, is that what they should put? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of sick of you, Kristen. Yeah, I don't want to see needed, you at all. <laughs> I needed this break. Facebook is reminding me. So I yeah. was in the room, which was um, a blessing, right? Because at some point, you know, when we're at HP, I kind of stand in the front anyway, because you're on and off the stage and um, don't tend to have this experience where I'm, I'm, I'm not in the back of the room where I can look forward and see everybody engaging in worship. I'm usually in the front where it's like the band and me, and I kind of assume people are engaged behind us and I can hear them, right? Like that's the big thing. When the songs, when we're singing, I can hear what people are singing. And so for, for a lot of the worship moments on Sunday, uh, at Crown Point, I mean, it's the best sound because there's nobody there. So don't, if you're listening and you're one of those people that has opinions about music, don't take this the wrong way. But there was nobody there to complain about how loud it was. And so they were just going for it. Like the, I've never felt that room shake more than that. Um, and so it just like best surround sound experience. Like no one, I don't care who you are in your man cave watching TV, it didn't sound like this. But I was standing, you know, maybe eight seats away in a row in front of Pastor Steve. And then it was just the two of us in the whole entire section. And we finished one song and I kind of looked back to him and he kind of looked over to me and we kind of like just get, we didn't say anything. And, um, but I had that knowing look of like, man, this is, this hurts. Mm. Like this really is incomplete. And um, we kept singing and I just remember feeling, imagining what it was like for us to be in the same room together. And it brought tears to our eyes. Like it really, on Easter Sunday, and I don't know if it came across in the, in the stream or not, but Steve got up to preach. I thought he wasn't going to be able to start. Like it was, it was touch and go for him for a moment. I mean, he just he took another, took a step, just like, hey, I really miss. And I think it came through. I think he said like, hey, I really miss you guys right now. And yeah. That that was so palpable amongst all of us. I mean, we were engaged 110% in singing to the Lord and praying and, and even sharing testimony. What Dexter said was so good. Um, so honoring to the Lord, so edifying for us in the room, but it just felt like we had such a distance between us and it was hard. It was a really hard yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I don't, and I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. We didn't know what to do about that. It just, it just created this longing for, for community. And so we FaceTimed yeah, our, yeah. our family afterwards. <laughs> like, Is so that we, what you guys did FaceTime? Yeah. So we, we tried. Oh, we, you did? Yeah. My, so I got family that's in London. My sister and, and brother-in-law are out in London and they're kind of, they're like good connecting people. And so they sent us a request on WhatsApp, which I had never done a group WhatsApp. Yeah. And it was not great. Because if it didn't change the orientation of your phone, like if some people were shooting like this and some people were shooting like this, it tried to just meld it all together in your screen. So some people were like this in your screen and some people were like this. It was not great. Um, and then we couldn't get my sister in there and then we all tried FaceTime and like it was just a, a brutal situation. Um, Kristen, how did you feel about that? I mean, my family doesn't listen to our podcast. I don't think, I did send them the link, but I don't know. Uh, oh, I muted myself. Um, I I, it was, it was a little chaotic because of kids right. too, you know, like we, and then we were outside and so it was noisy. It was hard to hear. Mm. Um, but I think the, just seeing everyone face to face in, that was the first time that all of your family that we had all been together on zoom, yeah. um, since the quarantine. So it was nice to see everybody 
And I, that's just, it's the sad state that that is the best that we can do right now yeah. is just see each other's faces, maybe not hear every word, maybe not get an actual conversation in, but, um, but it was good to see them. Yeah, it was, it was. Well, uh, what I want to do is actually take us to our guest right now. Uh, we have the privilege of talking to Jonathan Johnson. His Instagram is J-O Speaks. Uh, that's his stage name, his poet name, as it were, J-O Speaks. And uh, he's a great friend of our campus. He's actually an Awana leader, uh, I believe, with uh, the TNT boys, uh, which are third through fifth grade boys at our campus. Great dude. And uh, without further ado, here's our conversation with Jonathan Johnson. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have, by way of Zoom, uh, one of our very own HP Awana leaders, a member of Bethel who is uh, a, a attender of the Gary campus and has uh, is a voice that so many people at Bethel will already know once he says hello. But let me introduce you to the show, uh, Jonathan Johnson. What's up, brother? Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks again, Dan, for having me, man. Oh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. We're, uh, we're grateful for um, this opportunity to sit down and talk, man. And you uh, have done a lot of spoken words for Bethel. I think this marks two years in a row where yeah. you, you let off the Easter service for us, uh, which is like the biggest day of the year. So to go two for two is pretty good, man. And I'm wondering if you're feeling the pressure of being called back next year. Ah, I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You... Um, you you're a Awana leader at HP, yes, which yes. is awesome. Your boys uh, are the best. I love them. They and and Zoe, your daughter, she runs the world. Uh, <laughs> you you uh, and your wife Sharon are uh, living in Valpo. And uh, tell us what your wife does and kind of like what life's like for you guys right now. Uh, my wife's a surgeon. Uh, she's with Indiana Surgical Associates and. So the surgeries, a lot of the elective surgeries have been pushed back. So they're doing more um, collecting of PPE and making sure that the nurses and the other physicians are taken care of. There are still surgeries going on. I mean, there are some things that just can't be pushed back. But the biggest uh, threat, I believe, to the hospital was preparing for the high volume of patients that could or could not come. It's kind of that wiggle room for different hospitals and also making sure that everybody has the protection that they need in the event that this thing does go down. So the N95 is the mask that is ideal uh, to fight against the respiratory infection. So the cloth mask can actually extend the life of the N95. So a lot of the physicians, they will put that on top of their N95 mask. Some of the hospitals have given out, you know, the thumbs up and correct protocol, how to just, how to take these things off, how to take it home, how to be safe with it. Uh, they, you know, want you to put it inside of a paper bag as opposed to a plastic bag because the virus lives on plastic much longer than it does paper. So it's just kind of created this different type of feel in the hospital to where 
people are having to step up and to step into um, environments or job titles that may not have been theirs to begin with, but it's all for the safety of the community of the hospital. So it's been challenging. Uh, I think that's a lot of a lot of us, right? We're stepping up and into a lot of different things we never thought we'd have to do. But uh, Jonathan, I know you got a lot of a lot of pull on people and maintaining some semblance of routine because Dexter Harris comes into this church every day <laughs> to work out with you in the gym. Is that you on the other line? That's me on the other line. Yeah, we try <laughs> to make sure. I think what's helping me get through it, and each day is kind of having a schedule. So even on school days, we have like this reward system. And it would be great if I could keep it all day, but myself, I'm not that uh, <laughs> committed. So at three o'clock, we cut all this stuff off, you know? And the kids <laughs> are like, we, don't, we won't get in trouble. It's not school anymore. So I even like that they see that there's like this divide of school and like real life. And um, I think having that schedule kind of keeps them uh, motivated and kind of keeps them going, trying to keep things as normal as possible for their sake. Uh, thank God for the backyard because uh, we go there more often uh, <laughs> than normal. So I think it's just now embracing the small things that we've ran past for so many years, like slowing down and stopping to smell the roses. No doubt, no doubt. So Jonathan, I want to um, I want to play for the people who who I don't know if if there's anyone out there who didn't tune into our <laughs> Easter services. I, I I don't know who that person is. I haven't met them yet. Everyone that I know has logged into at least the first ten minutes of Bethel's uh, Easter service, and uh, I want us just to take in uh, your spoken word because I I think um, uh, there's a lot to it uh, that I'd love to. I'm learning the phraseology is chop up with you. Uh, okay. So I want to, I want to go ahead and, and uh, uh, check this out. I'm going to broadcast this, and um, I want us to uh, to take. There's another pandemic at play, and it doesn't just affect the lungs, but it alters the heart of every soul. It waxes love cold and the worst part about it there's nothing in and of ourselves that can stop it there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do about it not quarantine not not good hygiene not even social distancing but this disease is fatal it's extremely crippling and this the sickness has has incubated the ills of social injustice inbred systematic racism and oppression while cultivating specimens into sexual sin and has harvested a culture fermented in anger lying and gossip and small traces of idolatry covetousness and pride are found with further diagnostics and due to our codependencies of this disease called sin, our relationship with God has become toxic. And even those that are sheltered in place, they are not safe because this disease is known to lure them away and it operates through our own desire. So when sin has reached the end, it brings forth death. And this is an isolation that will separate God from self, take life from breath, and no respirator would be able to make you whole. God's love will break hearts in order to save souls for he loved the world so much that he gave up his own 
his one and his only. He is a great God seeking for a generation that will come before him boldly, even though it was our sin that left us lonely. He never wanted his church separated from the state of himself. So God, he wrapped himself in flesh just to approach our sin-sick self. He removed his gloves in exchange for nailed hands. He, he traded in his mask for a crown of thorns. He, he doesn't socially distance himself by six feet. Instead, he takes nails in his hands and his feet. He draws us closer to his peer's side. He COVID himself in our sickness so that we could be forgiven. He who knew no sin has now become sin for our righteousness. But how? How do we carry this, this vaccine inside of this earthen vessel? And this is the place in which I wrestle because the power belongs to God and not us. And even though we are afflicted in every way, we are still not crushed because we know that it is in God that we trust, perplexed. But we're not driven into despair because we know that God is still there, persecuted but not forsaken because we stand on a rock that's not easily shaken, struck down but not destroyed because although some trust in chariots and some trust in horses we trust in the name of our Lord so for the Christian the resurrection is not the end of the story rather it's only the beginning of life the hope of glory because Christ has imputed immunity to this penalty of this virus called sin. He rose and left the empty tomb to show that the needle of death has even lost his sting. So, is he Lord of your life? Do you know him as king? Are you worshiping a living savior? Have you made him your everything or have you left your savior on the cross? Have you left the bridegroom in the tomb? Are you trying to cover this bill, paying your own cost? If so, you are still infected. But he stands at the door and knock. Are you gonna let him in or will you reject him? He wants to be king of your life. Will you accept him? If not, this disease can easily worsen because Easter was never about a big production, but it was only about one person. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is life. And no one will see the Father unless they go through Jesus Christ because Jesus is alive. Jesus is king and we have all been commissioned to go and spread this vaccine, to go and spread the gospel, to go and spread the good news that this resurrection not only changed death, but it also changed life. So we draw close to a living, risen savior because we know that the cure is simple. The cure is Christ. God bless you, Bethel. I pray that this resurrection is like none other. Spread the gospel. Pray for those that are lost. And until we could all be in one sanctuary again, I love you with the love of Christ. Y'all be blessed. Ooh. <laughs> wow. All right, so... Let's talk. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've probably been writing. I've been writing for a long time, man. And it's really, I, I often forget about it. I had a high school buddy of mine shot me a screen. 
like a picture that he took of a script that I wrote back in high school. And it had like, I mean, this thing was, in, it was detailed. I was like, wow. I'm like, what are you doing with this? <laughs> he was like, I was sitting at my basement and I came across it and I just decided not to throw it away. I'm like, dude, you got to send me a copy. So I would say this writing goes back to high school. Spoken word poetry, I believe, resonated probably, I want to say 2008, just to kind of put a date on it, I guess. Sure. Uh, I start going public with it. It, it became more than just writing, but more uh, taking it to the next level. And I think the reason it was so dramatic when I started, because my background was playwriting. So I wanted the characters. I liked the emotions. And so I brought that into spoken word with me as well. Your uh, One of your boys, I don't remember who it was, but it was like maybe uh, September of last last year, like 2019. So not too long ago. We were saying hey at church, and I remember him asking you, like, Dad, are all your friends pastors? Because uh, he knew I was a pastor at Dex and, and, and whatnot. And uh, didn't he ask you, like, hey, Dad, you think you're ever going to be a pastor? Remember he asked you that? Yeah, he said, do you want to be a pastor when you grow up? <laughs> yeah, when you grow up. Right, I love that. So the reason I bring that up is because, um, so for, for Good Friday, I wrote a, a piece on Judas, it was one of the most um, pastoral moments I think I've had as a pastor is writing spoken word because it put me in a space of the characters like you're talking about with, with in terms of playwriting. But even thinking theologically, the lines of the gospel narrative and how do you express that in, in a creative way where it helps people not just take the logic of it, but also the emotion of, of something right. and blend it together in a way that's so human. And, um, and I think there's a, uh, a richness to why spoken word connects with theology so much is because we want our theology to be for the streets. We want it to be in our everyday lives uh, with us in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of love and romance, in the midst of heartbreak and death. Um, we, we need theology to connect with us more than just uh, in a cerebral level. And I think right. that's why spoken word has such a power to it. And I'm hooked. Like, I'm just straight up hooked. Like, I posted <laughs> something a week ago, and uh, I started writing it on Tuesday, posted it on Thursday, I think. Uh, on Friday, we did a little uh, thing. You Talk about what you do on Fridays uh, with your poetry. Yeah, so Friday Night Live, I do it on Instagram. Uh, every Friday at 7 p.m. Central Time, and it's just a space for Christians to bring a message of hope to those that may be feeling lonely, uh, forsaken, just may just need a word of encouragement. Because what I realized with COVID-19 being so active, it doesn't stop everybody from what they were already dealing with. So if isolation was a problem for you, or you had suicidal thoughts, or you were in an abusive relationship, or whatever, I don't feel like this now gives any help to it. Um, so I figured if we can create an art space that brought forth hope, uh, people sometimes come to the mic with their testimonies of how they overcame certain things. And, you know, I think that was a great uh, move of God to, to produce something like that, because I've had people, you know, message me after the show like, dude, thank you so much. Continue to do this. Um, I was really feeling X, Y, and Z, and you know that one poet helped me. So I think it's something that needs to be done. I think, like you said, it makes it more, takes it to the street. It takes the theology and makes it real life 
uh, when you connect with those emotions, it, it speaks more volumes than even the words you're speaking at the moment. It's like, dude, he understands where I've been. He understands where I'm at. And, it, you know, and the Christian poet is different from just a regular poet because not only do we present the problem, but we have to now take you to the solution. And so I think a lot of our poetry writing uh, becomes longer because we can't just say this is the problem and we're out. We have to say this is the problem and but God, you know, and we have to, you know, kind of spell that out and what that looks like. So, yeah, Friday Night Lives is definitely something that does that. It brings forth hope. We get the, the, the testimonies and the gospels from different perspectives and different people all across the world. We've had people coming in from Africa and um, uh, what is that? Dominican Republic, uh, South, South America. So it's amazing just to draw in the pool. And I think with the quarantine being so global, um, it kind of levels the playing field to where we're all kind of in this equal moment. And so I felt like this would be a most amazing time to capitalize on that idea. Um, not capitalize, but just kind of really, you know, utilize that idea yeah, now's to bring the forth the gospel. <laughs> Seriously, right? Like now, now's the time. There's a reason Scott and I are on mics every single week, twice a week. It's because now's the time for us to stay connected and, and to make sure that whether it's a conversation or it's a, a, a piece of poetry or it's a, a piece of just uh intellectually stimulating uh you know conversation that you want to have now's the time for us to stay connected what i right. so what i love about it man is like uh, our relationship uh, has had lots of different spaces and um the probably the biggest one is working out um i'm the scrawny white guy you're this like jack dude and uh, i've been working out you know training people and getting everybody in shape and uh i wouldn't ever so like stereotypically i wouldn't ever put you know, the, the, the macho dude in front of a, you know, uh, uh, like the, the poetry mic, right? Right, right. <laughs> how, how, uh, how, why do you think poetry is so healthy for you? I think, cause I think like, I see you, man, and I appreciate the well-roundedness that God's crafted you in. You know, you're not just leaning one side of, 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 you know, the, the pushing 300 pounds or whatever, but you're also leaning into your heart and, and right. trying to seek after the Lord. I mean, what would you say, would you, would you encourage people to do that? Like, talk a little bit about that. Uh, so I think what you're touching on is balance. And so I think it's, it's, it's healthy because uh, at one point I was just all writing. And I think that's what brings about writer's block because you kind of write out of yourself. You get to the end of yourself, you're like, I don't have anything to write about. I don't know what to say. And a lot of times I would tell people like, yo, you just got to experience life. We're Christian poets. We're not just writing about the wind blowing or the chair sitting or the house, you know what I'm saying? It's something that should be life changing. So in order to write something life changing, you got to go out and live life, you know? So I believe, you know, being a stay at home dad, I think we're all kind of <laughs> stay at home dads now, uh, <laughs> yeah. but being a stay at home dad, uh, it forced me to kind of find an outlet that didn't take away from my kids. That didn't take away from what they were doing. So the gym just became that thing, you know, and the wire was right up the street. And so I literally went in not knowing what to do, like looking at the weight room, like, dude, this is overwhelming. Where do I start? And uh, I had to get a trainer to kind of like show me the ropes. And um, it helped. And it helped yeah. create that balance of this is workout. It helped create that balance of this is writing. Help create that balance. This is family time. And I think, again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, having that schedule. So it's definitely an outlet. 
and it definitely helps me kind of process and those other substratums help me bring real life back into the poetry. Jonathan, you, this is, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I was just saying this is this is something that I'm I'm not familiar with at all. I don't wouldn't really label myself a, a creative spoken word and poetry and writing is not something I I would uh it would be easy for me to pick up. And maybe Dan, you can speak into this as well. Well, Good now that I am a creative. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was in the same same place a week ago, right? Like I'd never put nothing on. But I want to I, I want to know, like, where where does the impetus for your spoken words come from? Is it is it do you pick an emotion or, or is it is it your own life? Like, where does the start of a spoken word um, kind of begin for you? So with that particular piece, um, I took a copious amount of notes, dude, it was so much and the dilemma for starting that was I didn't know where to start. And for me, and I know some people just say, just write, just write. I love to have my thesis on my first line. I, I don't like to jump in and just waste time, especially when it's, I had a certain time to turn this around. So I'm like, I don't have time to mess up. Um, so I wanted it to be like a one take Nate, as I call it. And I was like, ah. And so at first I wanted to paint like the darkness of this pandemic, you know, and then I was going to bring the brightness of Easter. And I was like, well, that doesn't really speak to Easter. Those are like two different poems I'm merging together. I want it to be one poem, you know, and I think with poets where we fall short, we have to, we have to single it. We have to look at it. Is this one poem? Is this two poems? Um, is this three poems in one? And you want to make sure your focus is very pinpoint. I also had to take into mind that I'm not performing this piece. I'm going to be sitting down in my home, probably reading it. So I'm losing a lot more elements that I had when I did the All About Him piece. Um, so all of this is like compact in my mind. And like, I can't write until I realize, like, how do I present this in this environment? You know, and so that for that particular piece, that was what I had to take. And I had to take in the audience. And the audience was at their own homes, you know what I'm saying? And the venue was whatever that screen is. And so that was the biggest piece, knowing my audience and really taking that in. And not just audience in that vernacular, but also this is an Easter poem. So now I can use, I can say more with less. I can use scripture as opposed to if this was more outreach, I probably couldn't just throw these words out casually. I have to kind of build the listener up to it. Uh, so with that one, I, that first line was so significant to just like releasing all these thoughts. It helped me um, single to, uh, to really bring one thought through to make it more effective. And what I is that to first line again? Drop it on us. Uh, there's another pandemic at play. And so I wanted to show that as Christians, we've been here before. Like sin is the ultimate pandemic. It has hit everybody globally. You cannot escape it. Um, but I wanted to challenge, like, this is even more deadlier than what we're facing now. Like, the one that still is going on, you know, you're not even safe if you shelter in place because you look at James where it talks about how sin lures you away by your own desires to where, hey, you're not even safe just sitting in your home. You know what I'm saying? And you can look at that, um, you know, artistically, as I stated it, or you can look at it very physically, like porn or whatever, um, the suicide, all those things that now come at you now that I'm like just stuck in the house. So I wanted to really say more by saying less. And I think that's the beauty of poetry 
is to where just enough to get the mind thinking and to kind of get the word kind of stirring. And I like that it comes before the, the preach word because then you're already in a certain place about the entire setup. And so it's a, there's another backdrop onto the word that is being spoken. And so I think it just resonates a lot more differently. So for me, that first line is important. I had to do like an outline to see where I wanted to go. Um, some stuff got tossed out and I'm like, this might be for another poem at another time. This is a dope line. <laughs> and I had a bunch of dope lines that I that did not make it. And I was like, ah, but I had to realize this is not that poem. Mm. And I think that becomes the the discipline of the poet to know, is do I keep it just because it's hot? I just want to say it, you know what I'm saying? Or can I create something just as hot and put it in this one? But you have to know this is not that poem, you know? As preachers, we do the same thing where we've got um, either killer stories, killer illustrations, killer uh, phrases we want to drop into a sermon. But you have to remember you're communicating and not everything communicates, even though it's hot. And right. uh, half of, you know, Pastor Steve's doing this back, Bethel backstage thing. I think partly out of that angst of 25 years of preaching and having, we call it the cutting room floor, right? We got all this great material left on the cutting room floor that we just want to gather up and say, no, but here's another one here. Look at this. Think about all this other stuff. And right. uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised when I, so, so I, I uh, took two nights to write uh, on Judas and I had studied him. I, I had logged books and stuff on his experience. I kind of know where I stand with him theologically and what his experience was. So the source material was all there for me. I was shocked at how quickly seven stanzas came and, wow. and then how I had to edit it and arrange it and, and organize it so that it spoke to something and had it had a move, had some, um, had some development and then had, for me, it was a twist at the end to say, no, no, no it's not just about this guy. What he is, is actually reflected in me. And so here's how right. I am this guy. Um, but I, I was also surprised to see like two thirds of what I wrote was under the line. It was all on the cutting room floor and it's all just leftovers. And I think that speaks to both the creativity and the, and the process of just, just writing yourself, but also in the process of, uh, abundant creativity in the image right. of God. We are designed to be creative people. And um, I'm not a, I'm not a painter. I'm not a photographer. I can't shoot video, but I can use <laughs> words. Right. And right. so, so everyone's got a palette that they use and, and um, I'm really resonating with, with words as the palette uh, right now. And it's, I think going to make me a better uh, preacher, a better pastor I had one guy call me up the other day and say, dude, I don't trust any pastor who's not a, a poet. <laughs> He's like, because if you don't understand language and emotion and writing, you're, you're, you can't connect with, with the heart. Um, right. Maybe la last thing I want to ask you, man, before we, uh, before we let you free, is uh, what, what would you say to the Christians who maybe poetry or finer arts, things like that, are foreign to them. You know, they're stuck in a rhythm of maybe Bible reading for the sake of Bible reading, listening to the music for the sake of saying they listen to worship music, uh, going to church. You know, they, the sum of their Christian experience is um, maybe disconnected from the rest of their art, artistic intake. How, how can we, how would you encourage us to develop more of a Christian fine art soul, so to speak? Um, I would say just kind of, um, I mean, if you're just into reading, I mean, there's some great Psalms and poetry inside the Bible, like the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, 
uh, Ecclesiastes. So I think, you know, looking at those Song of Solomon kind of sets the tone even for poetry. And you see the Bible to me is written poetically. They use a lot of metaphors, uh, similes. And so it's really easy to kind of pull from that. So I would say like, if you want to start encouraging yourself to listen more, would be that um, listen to the words and see where they're going with it, what what picture they're painting, because it's all about painting. If you want to start writing, um, just challenge yourself. Give yourself a writing prompt. Uh, do a little something that you can um, expand upon. Try to describe an emotion or a feeling without using that actual um, name. And that's what I kind of did at the beginning of my piece. I'm talking about sin, but I'm liking it to a pandemic. So I'm not going to say the word sin. So I'm creating that tension. Uh, but you can't keep the tension too long. You got to eventually give in to, you know, bringing it forward. You know, to, you have, yeah, you, have you to can tiptoe around it, but at some point you got to call it. Right. I loved in your piece too, how you called it, you know, COVID, you dropped COVID in, but you didn't use it the way that we use it. It's not a name. You, you verbed it, you know, he, he turned it right. into a verb. He COVID himself, uh, right. which is, which is slick, which is so slick. And, and I wanted, I mean, if the church was full, people have been falling out of their seats at that. Uh, I don't know how they did it in their house, but, uh, but it was, it was uh, so uh, just, just brilliant how you, how you use those, those words, man. Jonathan, I love seeing your family. You're a great dad, bro. Uh, great friend, great Christian brother, uh, great, uh, workout coach and a great, uh, writing sensei. So, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you, man. Thanks for all you're doing around the Bethel community. And, uh, and, and until next time, man, we'll see you later. Right, God bless you. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Church is Now Online podcast. For more resources from Bethel Church, head to BethelWeb.org, where you can stream services, give online, and find ways to impact our community. To connect with the HP campus, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Join our group by searching Bethel church Hobart portage If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. Church is Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage, Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.